The Athletic. Those numbers are deteriorating rapidly in the Premier League. That's not a concern for me, I don't think, in the next 18 months. But in four or five years' time, we've got to be really careful on that. Hello and welcome to the latest bonus episode of the Athletic Football Tactics podcast with Liam Tharn, Mark Carey and myself, Ali Maxwell, going bite-size with chat about football tactics, tactical trends. Today we're going to talk about the fact that Gareth Southgate is concerned about the supply line of English talent. And what really got us by these senses tingling, Mark Carey, was that he used numbers he to present his argument. What did you make of Southgate's concerns and his use of, of stats to make the point that he was making? Well, I mean, he basically said that the, the numbers are going down on the, the share of minutes played by English players in the Premier League. Um, and I can see why he's making the, the wider point about there being a, a smaller pool to select from compared with other major nations um, across Europe and across uh, the world. But I, I felt like, I always say it, context is key when you're using numbers. I felt like it was devoid of, of wider context. And that's what I wrote about in a, in a recent piece. And he basically compared the the share um, of, of English players to the last couple of years in the discussion. He basically said that it's been around 32%, but that's down from 35% when he took over and 38% in the years before. So it was a little bit vague in that, but fine. Um, but it was a little bit frustrating to sort of, he had a bit of a self-selection stat um, from a small sample. Again, something I don't like. Um, he said 28% has happened in a, the past couple of weekends to basically pin it on the most recent games to say that it was a small share. And I think my argument would be that how much of that is just down to variance. Sometimes you can just have a, you know, some injuries in the, the team. It might be just the certain weekend where it is the case. And that's what made me you know, look at the, the wider point um, in the article. And I looked that from the 2002-03 season onwards, the share of minutes played by English players has hovered between, let's say, 30 and 40% and rarely deviated dramatically since then it has that's been a crucial bit isn't it the, there was a incredibly dramatic decline and a worrying decline no doubt from 1992 where it was around 70 percent to 2001 so 10 years from 70 percent more or less to 38 percent more or less and since then it has broadly remained more or less the similar. Yeah, which kind of begs the question, why now? Why is he kind of going about it? I'm not entirely sure what the answer is to that, but it felt like he was kind of being fed a stat or a couple of stats from those around him and his team and without kind of looking at those those wider trends that are grounded in more context. And I, I don't know whether it's because the standard within the English national setup is as high as it's ever been. So he's maybe looking for near perfection or trying to you know, reach the, the higher levels in terms of the threshold of, of uh, making sure that there are English players, a wider English pool of players to choose from. I don't know. The timing just felt a little bit odd to me. I completely agree. Um, the point that I took a real gripe with really was he's speaking about the volume of players is less important in this regard because the quality is the most important thing. The, the EPPP, the Elite Player Performance Plan that was bought in in 2011 and we've had just, just over a decade of it now, um, the, the quote taken from it from the Premier League website is that the long-term strategy is to develop more and better homegrown players. Obviously, there's the, the homegrown quote in the Premier League of number of players you have to have. Um, but the whole point is you want to develop players to raise the standard of the English men's senior national team. Um, 
you don't need to develop 400 players mm. because you're going to pick a squad of 25, 26. You need to get a really, obviously you need depth within that to, to have options and variety. But um, when you look at some of those players that played for the England U teams between 2017 and 2018, where you know they had that famous sort of summer of success, 10 of those players went to Euro 2020. Uh, Jordan Pickford, Dean Henderson, Ben Chilwell, Rhys James, Mason Mount, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Jaden Sancho, Bakaya Saka and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Um, and of course, England have one of the youngest teams uh, at that tournament, one of the most inexperienced teams in terms of uh, the fewest caps per player. I think only Spain had a younger team than them uh, of the European nations at the last World Cup. So they might be fast-tracking players through a little bit more, but that's clearly because the quality of them is really, really yeah. good. I guess my big question, Mark, to the extent that you can answer it is, is there a correlation between a high share or a higher share of league minutes and a strong national team? No, I think is the, the short answer for the reasons that Liam alluded to. I think that it does speak to the, the wider point of quality versus quantity. It is only going to be the elite players who are going to be selected for the national squad, exactly as you said, Liam. So I think there's there's definitely that. Um, I think I was being a bit facetious in the article that I wrote to say that if you're going to go on the, the idea that you want the widest pool of English talent, um, if you're going to go back to the 1970s, there was nearly 100% of, of English players in the 1970s to choose from mm. in the English top division. Uh, and England didn't qualify for the World Cup in 1974 or 1978. I don't think that's facetious, Mark. I think that's good research <laughs> and a salient point. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I mean, the other the other point to make as well, I saw something um, on Twitter from Grace Robertson, who does some fantastic work tactically. Um, many people will be aware of her work. And she, really nice actually, looked at the England ELO rating, um, which is a proxy of team strength. We've spoken about that before. Um, and she compared that just correlationally um, with the share of English players. And there was next to no correlation or relationship just when you graphed it together. So if we were to go with that and think that, you know, team strength should um, correlate with the, the share of English players, then then it's just simply not the case. So uh, yeah, in a nutshell, no <laughs> is the answer. And on the flip side of it, England's success at recent major international tournaments has come with a significantly lower proportion as if to further prove Mark's point that just having a high volume of these players in fact, it's actually almost disproved the point that it feels like I'm interpreting he's trying to make. So um, that being sort of a an opposite trend is, again, another example of why you need to be careful when you use data, but also not using one statistic on its own to say this is inherently a good or bad thing. There's yeah. more nuance to it. And that's why you then look at, I know international football is really hard because it happens in these clusters. It happens in smaller samples, but I think you can't just utilize it in the same way you might use data in sort of domestic football or, or broader sample stuff. I sort of, you know, it feels like we're, we're disagreeing with what Gareth Southgate says. I still think it's worth pointing out that more broadly, like I do believe he is trying to do things in good faith and say these things for the right reasons because he wants a certain action or improvement on some front. It, it's just the case that unusually for someone who almost never puts a foot wrong in terms of his communication and is so measured with what he says that it's almost quite jarring, wasn't it? You're like, oh, there must be a reason why he has said this. And he's come with some stats. Uh, and well, from our point of view, just maybe not quite in agreement with uh, with the use of the, the numbers that he's he's uh, taken in his argument. Liam, you've spent the, the last week covering the England under-21s in their uh, two fixtures in the international break. Feels like a, a relevant uh, addition to the talking point here. What is the composition of the England under-21s in terms of senior experience? Are these players getting, you know, quality senior minutes? 
Yeah, there's there's a mix across um, sort of the squad, and it was interesting speaking to uh, Lee Carlsley, the the head coach, after the game, and he was saying how often the first uh, first game of any sort of uh, international break window is effectively like a preseason game for them because one, these are young players who haven't had um, even at the best they've had some minutes, but not not a huge time, and they're adapting to sort of playing together. He then made nine changes between the France game, which they won four nil, um, in quite a balanced drab sort of first half, to be honest, where France were the better team in transition, but England really turned on in the second half. Uh, Noni Madueke took all the headlines um, I think it's the first time I've ever, I'd ever seen a player come on um, in the 66th minute and by the 86th minute he'd been awarded player of the match he'd set up, set up two goals and scored one of them it was really great really dynamic really good range of passing and sort of running in behind um, and then they went and lost 2-1 to Croatia at uh, Craven Cottage um, conceded a penalty conceded a really good direct free kick goal and it was sort of a real mix of where they had been at. I mean, this is, uh, I went back and looked through it because I was, I was quite intrigued. I remember uh, the last uh, Euros, uh, I think a couple of years ago now, where then head coach A.D. Boothroyd called it an utterly impossible job. Um, they've gone out in the group stages at five of the last six Euros, which I use that as the sort of cutoff point because that was from when the EPPP came in because they brought it in after the 2009 defeat to Germany in the final where they quite frankly sort of got embarrassed. And to me, that was incredible given um, you know just how much success they'd had, particularly under 17. 18, 19, out in the 20s that have won World Cups, won, won Euros, even in the 2017 sort of year of success where the um, that was the one time they got out of the groups, they got knocked out by Germany again um, on penalties in the semi-finals. They were the only England senior level age group or professional phase age group, I should say, that didn't reach a final or win a trophy. And it was like, how do you sort of solve this? And I don't think it's going to fall out and fall into the senior level where you then go, well, now you look at the senior team not being able to do that either. But there's the likes of Emil Smith-Rowe who played in there as number 10, who plays frequently for Arsenal, you know, on the way back from injury. Um, Madueke was in there. Um, he came off the bench. Um, but the three number 10s are interesting because he had uh, Harvey Elliott, who plays regularly for Liverpool, uh, maybe more so not within the Premier League, but he was in a number 10 role, as was Morgan Gibbs-White, who's now the captain. Jacob Ramsey captained at Fulham um, against Croatia. Uh, and again, is another frequent, arguably getting towards a key player now for Aston Villa. So I feel like I'm ready for it. Um, but I think when... The, the senior staff and, and Gareth decided to pick me. I think that's when my best moment will come. Um, obviously, they'll know um, more about me watching the 21s games and, and watching Villa. Um, but obviously, it's up to them to decide the best players to play for the country. And if I want to play with them, with them players and in that team, I've got to be scoring or assisting every week. There's lots of talent in there. These aren't sort of players that are playing bit part roles to their club. They're definitely getting lots of minutes and these will be players that will be looking at the next Euros, which is in, what, 13 months' time um, in Germany to be part of that squad, if not maybe somewhere on the pitch. You said about Boothroyd saying he's called it an utterly impossible job. Is it a bit of a tricky one within the, the under-21 setup compared to an under-17 or an under-19 setup? Probably more under-17 where England have had success recently, where you have such a concentrated crop of talent that are going to be the future. Whereas at the under-21 level, you kind of reach some, like Jude Bellingham is in the first team setup. So you're not going to have the pure concentrated players at that age. It's a little bit of a, those on the periphery, those who might make it, some might not, as is often the, the case. So I don't know whether the under-17s, under-19s, where England have had success in the Euros and in the World Cup, whether it's a little bit different, which maybe feeds into why it's maybe an impossible job for the under-21s. Um, the only other thing as well, I'd say, for the opportunities for young English players within the piece I wrote is that second only to the French League, um, do English have the largest share 
of domestic players playing in their respective leagues. So England under 21 players playing in the Premier League, um, they are higher than higher than Bundesliga, higher than La Liga, higher than Serie A, only just, but second only to the French League, which I think is positive signs if nothing else. I think something we do need to acknowledge is how much heavy lifting the, the football pyramid does in England. There's not, I don't think there's anywhere else in the world really that has sort of four professional tiers and the academy level now gets a lot of money pumped into it, which other countries and other parts of the world just don't have or don't use the finances for it like that. So you should expect England to win disproportionately more at 17, 18, 19 age groups because other countries won't put as much in until under 21 level. Um, I'm also conscious that I feel like Jude Bellingham is very much an exception to mm -hmm. the rule that mm -hmm. um, we shouldn't necessarily, you know, he's a perfect example of why the academy system works because you've then got an 18, 19 year old who's world-class playing in this team because he's ready to play in this team. Um, but I, I was intrigued to look across other sort of winners and see how they've done. I think the perfect example is Spain and Germany have won the under 21 Euros three times this millennium. They both have a senior World Cup. Netherlands and Italy have won the under 21 Euros twice. Obviously Italy at senior level are the reigning champions. So I respectfully sort of disagreed a bit with the idea that, you know, you win one or the other, that these things can happen together. Um, I think England should be doing better than getting out the groups once in six times. Do they need to be winning it every time, getting out every time? No, that's not fair. This is six very different squads. It's going to change each time. The head coach might change as well between tournaments. But I think doing better than that when you've had teams that have succeeded in other tournaments is, you know, there's a way to play tournament football effectively, um, which England are close to perfecting at senior level and I think they're going to get better now as well and they showed that against France as a, as a good example of they can do it at 21's level. Just a rare moment of me putting my fans hat on here as someone who ha has travelled as an away fan to two of the last three under 21 Euros championships which is a really good footballing travel trip by the way that I would uh, recommend and uh, I'll be in Georgia this summer uh, the idea that AD Boothroyd would call it an impossible job is pretty hard to swallow when you have seen them fail to qualify from a group in 2019 that included uh, Romania and Croatia uh, that England failed to beat uh, in fact they were couldn't go through even after match day two uh, and equally uh, in 2021 where fans couldn't travel because of COVID um, didn't get out of a group that had Switzerland, Croatia and Portugal in. It may be the case that a few of your best eligible players are with the senior team. It is still unarguably the case that England have had exceptionally strong squads on paper uh, containing players who have gone on to be pretty incredible and therefore didn't have some sort of weird defects to them. I thought the really peculiar... Um I didn't necessarily entirely agree with the statement, but when he said about it being an utterly impossible job was after the first two group games where they'd lost them both and were still within a chance to qualify. They were 2 up in the final group game and conceded an injury time goal to, I think, got on goal difference. And that was a real... I appreciate tournaments are probably quite a pressure cooker and you know the media can be tough to sort of speak to, but felt like quite a defeatist mentality. If you'd gone out of the, the tournament after the third game and then said, look, this is impossible, here's what I'm trying to do. Fair enough, but it was like, you, you're still within a chance of qualifying here. That feels a bit like you've given up. Well, up Lee Carsley's under-21s. I'll see you guys in Batumi <laughs> in June. Uh, it's been good fun to, to chat about first... Gareth Southgate's comments uh, about the share of minutes being played by English players in the Premier League um, and the points that he made and some rebuttals from Mark Carey, facetious or otherwise. Uh, Liam as well, weighing in on the England under-21s. I hope you've enjoyed this bite-sized bonus episode of the Athletic Football Tactics podcast. We've got a big one coming for you shortly. Uh, this week's full episode is really interesting. Don't take my word for it. Subscribe and listen to it when it drops. Thanks for listening. The Athletic. <laughs>